2: This is a podcast from Comedians Comedian.com.
0: This is the Comedians Comedian podcast. Hello and welcome to the show. I'm Stuart Goldsmith and I'm very pleased to be bringing you uh, an episode recorded in Montreal at the Just for Laughs Comedy Festival earlier this year in July uh, that I recorded with uh, Cameron Esposito. She's just fantastic. All of her stuff is on Spotify. You can find her stuff. I'm sure she's got lots and lots online and on YouTube as well. Uh, I don't know. Are you in the habit of revising people before you download the episode? Uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll cover exactly who she is and where she's coming from. But I really, really recommend... I don't know that she's been to the UK. I don't think she has. Um, uh, I'm not sure that she has much of a UK profile. So if you are listening here in the UK, uh, then please be sure to check out her stuff because she's fascinating and witty and funny uh, to talk to. But she is absolutely just a dynamite live act. So, without further ado, this is the brilliant Cameron Esposito. I'm really embarrassed to not have seen you live. Very, very rarely do I have someone on the show who I haven't seen live. Oh. I've heard both of your albums. Oh, thank you but, uh, for no, listening two, to them. Two, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, they're great. I had, uh, I bought one, and then I yeah. realized that the others were available on Spotify. Ah, <laughs> so yes, uh-huh. you've, got, you've got one album's worth uh-huh. out um, so, two of So two of the three albums I've heard, and then I have only arrived in town here in Montreal yesterday, right. and you're on tonight and tomorrow night and sort of all over the place. How are you enjoying the festival?
2: I'm enjoying it. I think, like... I only got into the swing of it. Well, I was here for the first night that I got here. I had to go straight from, like, I basically came to the hotel, dropped my bags off, and then went straight to host shows for seven hours. Oh my God. I had to host back to back shows. Now, when you're a comic, there has been a moment in your life where hosting shows for seven hours was like all you did. Mm -hmm. You know, that is a thing. But I haven't done it in so long. And then after all of that, I had to do set um on a show where it just like wasn't gonna be my audience which is fine with me but again i'm a little bit spoiled because the last yeah, couple okay. of years i've been having more success and so i've been playing to like I don't, I don't even play clubs anymore i play theaters where the audience is there specifically to see me and for, to have your first night at a festival like this straight be, off the plane. Like, okay wor- work out workhorse it out <laughs> yeah and then after that if you could just like do have like a like a warm set you know like for people that don't know who you are it's it's always good to have those moments i mean we you know we have them constantly when you're a comic there's all you're constantly reminded of that you're nothing and that you're everything and it's it's great but it was like a tough entry point you know just to be like oh yeah i've been living in this isolated dream world where i get to travel to cities and play to people that know me that's an unusual thing. It's not how it's always been, obviously.
0: Are you being worked particularly hard at this festival this year? Because it feels like you have a lot of shit going on at the moment.
2: I do have a lot of shit going on. Um, some of it doesn't feel like... So a seven-minute set now feels more difficult than an hour. Okay. You know, so like I'm doing a couple hour-long shows. That is easy because it's like... Again, I mean, this is snotty but it's like people there to see me I get to do the full hour yeah, I get yeah. to stretch that's such a that's my wheelhouse now and it's and going back and like doing a TV taping that's a seven minute set is yeah. In
0: front harder. Of, presumably with a bunch when I did a TV taping here last year I didn't know anyone else on the bill they're all from all over the world and you just kind of go from like thinking you're all that because hey I'm at Montreal to turning <laughs> up and going
2: oh, oh I know one yes hello I know you everybody. know it's funny though there I was asking um an Australian comic yesterday and there are a, there it's there's so many Americans here that actually I, I know most people okay, but it is funny to introduce somebody who I who I know is internationally very famous but who people hear like when I was hosting you're going like I want you guys to be excited about this but you don't know who this person is but in the UK they are very famous
0: yes and I suppose uh, I saw someone host last night and there is something very different to the way I mean a British host will always say this next act's amazing or something like lines. we don't do that thing of uh, of reading out everyone's credits oh sure and any time an American comes to the UK and goes okay can you tell them I've done this show the MC will look at them like you're a piece of shit (laughs) I'm not going to say any of that but there is that thing here whereby uh, people just big each other up absurdly like you know which is which, uh, absurdly to a Brit um and then, I suppose, it's almost like The Boy Who Cried Wolf when you then go on and go, no, you don't get it. In their home country, this person fills stage Oh, I
2: mean, I didn't say that, but it was Alan Carr that I was yeah, right. introducing. Sure. And so I was just like, I'm so excited to bring this comic to the stage. They're hilarious. Give it up for Alan Carr. And he had a joke in there where he talked about how people give him free things. Yeah, and okay. he had to take a minute and explain to the audience, like, <laughs> well, see, when I'm... At home, because like it just wouldn't work for a premise yes. unless you understood that he's very famous. Yes, and it was very cute watching a comic try to explain in a humble I'm, way, I'm kind of a big like deal. <laughs> like you don't understand. I get free things all the time because people really care about me. Yeah, <laughs> that's a wonderful so moment to see. How famous
0: are you for the, the predominantly British audience of this? You've seen you've uh, a tiny bit in the UK before.
2: Yes, how famous? That is God. That's such a great question. I would say. I'm a part of the new class of comedians in the States. So like there are people now that are nationally names. Um the class right ahead of me is probably like Hannibal Burris is in that, Jen Kirkman is that is yes, in that class because okay. we're friends with each other. Um and you you were talking about her earlier. Although also yeah, no I feel like Jen is the class ahead of me. Um or like Camille Nanjani, TJ Miller, like these people okay. who are starting to have a lot of television and film success are like the class right above me. Um but this year I got Variety's uh, 10 comics to watch okay. here at the festival, which is like an industry award. Honestly, it's the is the biggest American Yes, and you're doing that tonight. Uh, yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> sounds,
0: sounds right. I don't know i just been up and I look at the next I thing I've I have to, go to. Seen, I think yeah. I've just seen the, the billboard for it yeah. in the lobby here. And right. I'm just trying to work out by that token who else is in your class. So, Ronnie Cheng is Well, he kind I don't of really your- know him,
2: which is weird because okay. he's not. I don't know. It's it's also there's different levels to. I mean, to be real, I think when you're a woman, different level, you're put in a different level. The The women that are in that class, it's like Aparna a Nanchurla. She's amazing. She um is a late night tv writer great comic lauren lapkus is in that is in the class as well she was she had a large role in jurassic world like jurassic world was that's most. i haven't
0: seen her stand up but she was like it's
2: that's like that was like the most successful movie of all time and she had a large role in it like there were moments where it was just her on screen when you're a woman you've got to work you have to be be, you have to be in the largest movie of all time a a a large percentage just to be like one to i don't watch. know maybe she yeah. has a future like yeah. she's she's on orange is the new black which is one of our most yeah, popular cool. shows yeah, in yeah, the yeah. u.s and also has this amazing podcast career it's like that is it's so funny what it is to be a woman in comedy sometimes because it's like i mean i'm, I'm also debuting my own tv show here at the festival so yeah. like people could yeah comics to watch literally at her tv show which is also at this festival <laughs> That's what it's like to be a and woman that, I
0: mean, what that reminds me of is that uh, brilliant Chris Rock bit of material about the neighborhood in which he lives. All the white people are dentists and doctors. Yeah. And all the black <laughs> people are like him, Denzel Washington. <laughs> 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 I think the point <laughs> is, he said, for a for a black dentist to be live in my neighborhood, he'd have to have invented teeth. Right. So so is that frustrating? That must be frustrating.
2: You know what? It really is that... I know why why it is true. It's because... This is an industry like any other industry, and there has to be money that people can make off of you. And I think we are just entering. I mean, even though history would prove that you can make money off of female comics, comedians, people
0: with money don't want to take the
2: risks. I mean, but we, you know, we are in the legacy of Lucille Ball. Like, this is not brand new shit. But the idea that you can make money off of women, that women are marketable, I think is still people. Hold, yeah, people hold out for a while. Like, it's interesting to see the buzz around a 22 year old straight white dude comic, and then a Maria Bamford is winning an award at this festival. Maria Bamford, one of the premier comics working today, and her award that she's getting is Breakout Artist. Yes. She...
0: Yes. I just bumped into Jackie Casey. She was just telling me that the same thing. And you know
2: what? She deserves that award. Actually, it it does make sense because her show Lady Dynamite came out this year on Netflix. But for Maria to be considered a breakout artist is like... The award should act... You know, I mean, it should actually be like life achievement best almost comic. Yeah. yeah like yeah. most amazing comic that all comics respect the most for having yes. the best material like that's what i should say
0: yeah that's interesting is, is that do you think part of um what makes what makes you your year that that thing of like i, I always think of it. something i've said on the on the show before is that in the uk when you when you begin, you do all the new act competitions, and that kind of sets your, your year at school. That's how I I think of it. You yeah, know? yeah.
2: When Classes, you set I think the you, same way, yeah.
0: Well, I mean, I'm just wondering now, the way you you've described that, is it to do with how long you've been going, or is it to do with the point at which you become an asset, a marketable asset?
2: Oh, you know, I always... The interesting thing about the states that might be a little bit different than that is... So you don't really start with competitions, right? You start with open mics here. Yep. And it really is like the people that you come up with, you're locked in a class with them forever. And it doesn't really matter, like, who succeeds. Like, you can journey up. And so some of the people I said that are a class ahead of me are good friends of mine and peers. Like, but they'll always be... Yes. There's like this deference and respect here. Like you can't here. overtake Hannibal, no matter how good you get. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Well, I mean, I could sell more tickets than him. I could yep. make more money than him. I don't know when this would happen. And it will always be like, yeah, I could never invite him to open for me. You know yeah, what I mean? Sure. Like, like <laughs> yeah. if I was playing Madison Square Garden, you know, like maybe. You know yeah, what I mean? Like yeah, that's, yeah. And it's it has actually something I really love about our job is the fact that it's a trade, like that it's a craft that you work on over years and years and so. It has this built in hierarchy that I think is respect driven. I, I think it's kind of beautiful actually. There's very few I mean, there's the money side that I was talking about earlier, the cynical side of comedy, and then there's the we all know how hard we've worked to get here and yeah. we all know where we came from and we've all known each other for ten years, you know? To or use 15. the example
0: of Maria Bamford, even if she did wasn't making any money or selling any tickets, it, she would have the respect of comics. And I think yes. that's I think to a to a comic That is, you know, I'm sure we've all had that situation where You've had a shitty review at a festival, and then the next show that you do, a comic you respect from maybe a couple of years above you, laughs at one of your jokes, and you go, "Oh, that's, well, that's fine. Yeah, exactly. What the fuck does a review mean?" You know. Right. So let's let's just uh, go back a little bit, and uh, for people in the UK or otherwise who don't know you, what uh what I mean, where do we start? What kind of thing? What kind of thing do you do? I hate asking yeah, people this, no, but it's okay. useful to get like two minutes of what what you do. And right. You so
2: what do I do? So um i have to say the if side you,
0: mullet looks even yeah, better thank you. outside of the
2: posters <laughs> thank it you looks- i have a very specific haircut where it's long on one side and short on the other side i committed to it years ago and now it's kind of part of my brand <laughs> <laughs> yeah right and i have to keep it <laughs> that completely
0: but, answers a question uh, i had later down the way <laughs> <laughs> but i
2: also love it because gender wise it feels right to me i don't know you have very specific hair that goes up how long have you had that hair uh only a couple
0: of years. Yeah. I've always tried for it to be spiky, but I've recently discovered that oh, hair you, powder. You got the right product. I've got the yeah. dust. Congratulations. Oh my god, I it's love changed dust. my life. Yeah, it's yeah. great.
2: Um yeah, no, I feel like it's uh something that makes perfect sense for me. So we'll see how long this goes. Um but yes, I I think I'm known for I mean the the simplest way of saying it is that like I'm the go-to gay comic right now mm-hmm. in the States. That's the simplest way of saying it. Um, I'm a lesbian. I'm married to another comic.
0: Maria Butcher. Maria Butcher. I saw in LA last year when I was out for Podfest. She's fantastic. Yeah,
2: she's amazing. Right. Um, and so we have a show together called Take My Wife, um, which is about our lives together. And I, I think I do like very honest kind of raw comedy that's also very smiley and friendly. Um, and... This last couple years has been really interesting because I just started thinking that I would be a stand up. Like that's what I thought I would be. Started in Chicago. Um, did improv before that in Boston. So I just always thought I would be live performance focused. And then I moved to Los Angeles four years ago and everything changed. Like I'm writing a book and I'm in a bunch of movies and I have a couple TV shows in development. And that is all a surprise because I'm from the Midwest. Where there is no art entertainment industry, so I didn't even know this was a thing yes. that comics could participate in. Okay,
0: before we get before we get into the materials, that that rawness that you're talking about, I want to I want to talk to you about that. But is there an just the way you described it? There, it sounds a bit like it's that thing of growing up somewhere else as a comic, making your mistakes as a comic somewhere else, and then arriving as a fully formed product and going, it's this haircut and this face and this style, and here's the package. Put me on telly.
2: Wow, that's really smart. You're right. Well, I didn't realize I was doing that. The thing about starting in Chicago, Chicago is our third largest city in the States, and it has a ton of rooms for stand-up. Like you can do five shows a night, every single night for years for, you know, that's what I did for six years. Um, every time anyone says, so, yeah. the amount of new acts listening to this show, I always think, well, not anymore. because
0: <laughs> Everyone's moving to Chicago right now.
2: I mean, it is, it is the incubator. Like I, I love it as an incubator for, for standup. So, but so you start and people are very, um, against the idea of ever moving to another, like people in Chicago are like, fuck you, if you move to New York or LA, you sell out. But they also ask you, like, basically the day you start, when are you moving? So it's like, we expect you to betray us? How long do we have until we hate you? Like, (laughs) it's the weirdest scenario. So I'm, you know, the second you start, you're like, when am I moving, when am I moving, when am I moving? And then you start to feel behind, and it's like a very, uh, it's a real mindfuck. And then what I didn't realize is that, yeah, I was building haircut material like this is the kind of thing they talk about and i wear a motorcycle jacket and like this is how i do this and when i showed up in la i thought i was gonna have to maybe change some things about myself because i just had this like storybook version of la where it's like a convertible driving past a bunch of palm trees and everybody is a size zero and everybody is blonde and everybody is tall and instead they were like oh no you're just a in a thing we haven't seen before. Yeah. Great. We will work. There isn't
0: one of you. Great. Now there's one of you.
2: Yeah. I didn't know that. I don't need a gay woman. I should say. No, no, but you're right. That's exactly right. I didn't know that was a thing. I just, I really thought I was going to have to be somebody else or that I would be like off camera, like lurking in the shadows with a hump, you know, like I just thought like, okay.
0: I'm really fascinated by that because I think one of the, the, a thing that crops up from time to time Amongst guests on the show and also uh, in my own life is this idea that we feel we should be something else, or that oh, yeah. we feel in order to fit into what it is that I, you know, in order to be a comedian, I'm going to have to change me in order to fit the idea of being a comedian. And the more I do it, the more I realize, no, that's literally that's the opposite. <laughs> Antithesis.
2: Yeah, you will you will kill your career. That's yeah. exactly right. That's the way to take the steam out of any joke. So why or we, lifetime is to just be somebody else. Yeah. Why
0: do we think that? Why why, what, what's the sort of, what's the grain at the, at the heart of that feeling for you thinking if I move to LA, I'll have to change?
2: I would love to know what it what fuels you in thinking that. Because I think for me, what fuels me is a miscalculation about why the women that were successful before me were successful. Somebody like Sarah Silverman, she's beautiful, first of all, like traditionally classically beautiful. But the reason she's successful is because she's a voice that didn't exist ever before. And I think before I came to L.A., I, I just forgot, like, character actors exist. And I forgot, like, different types of faces exist. And also, really, things have changed for women just in the four years that I have, you know, have moved. Like, Abby and Alana, who have Broad City on Comedy Central, which is like one of the breakout hits, those women are beautiful they also do not look like the women that used to be on comedy central or that used to be on mtv like they have real bodies and they are jewish like they're you know like it's like they it's we're living in a different time when a lot of different voices get to speak so the the lens has been expanded a little bit yes. where do you think it comes from from you because I, like, I mean you're you have a cute face and you have good hair and you're like a you know, good-looking dude. Where does this come from for you? I'm so curious.
0: I think for me, it's probably... Like, I've, I've got my own kind of personal psychological issues with whether or not I'm allowed to be a comedian. And I think I... I, You know, this is like over the course of my life sort of thing. Of course. And I think, um, I think probably I discovered comedy, saw that there was a thing called comedians, wanted to be one, and was like, oh, I should do the things that they do so that I become one of them. Not realizing... Completely wrong. Yeah. Yeah, what what they do is they do themselves really well. So yourself yes. really well. But I think I think psychologically from my point of view i've always had a sense that i need to fit in like i've got i joined i went to a really authoritarian school which i joined halfway through the second year so my whole school life was characterized by i don't know how this works and i have to (laughs) to fake that i know how this works so i think for me a really big obstacle in in the way of my comedy becoming what it can be is me letting go of uh just just an immediate like before i even know i'm feeling it I'm feeling. Oh, I've got to fake this. I've got to fit in somehow so that everyone likes me, so that I get on. You know. You know I, no, I don't know if that's representative at all. No, and, and I don't want to break
2: everything down on like sex lines, but that is very interesting because I actually think that might be one way in which being a female comic is easier because there are so many fewer of us. There's we're, we're such a we're so so much more scarce that when you start. I mean, I guess you could be like, am I a Schumer or Silverman? You could do that, but there's not that many options for who to imitate. Like, there's not sure. that many options to be like, oh, I'm going to try and um ape this person's act because I feel like I connect with them really well. Versus, like, for dudes starting out, I could imagine that if you really connect with somebody, it would be hard to not try and be in their zone, you know, because there's just like so many options for different types of men that you can be. Yeah, that's true. You know, like, um, so I don't know if that's, I wonder if that's true. I wonder if that's true.
1: Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states.
0: So this is Cameron, absolute pleasure spending time with her, really, really exciting and funny, and also at a really, that really exciting time in her career. I sort—I I felt it with John Robbins in the episode last week, for which I, I hope you've, uh, to which I hope you've listened, and remember you can download the extras from that episode at comedianscomedian.com forward slash Robbins, and I'm pleased to report the technology has really been working for once, so I'm, uh, I'm really thrilled about that lots of great stuff in the extras but Cameron I think uh, in, a, in a similar way to John they're both at that sort of at that moment in their careers and for some people I think this moment can last a long time um, where they're not so huge and famous that they're untouchable and they haven't been interviewed to death and they haven't kind of started guarding what they say or, or got tired of talking about themselves um, but they've just both got loads and loads to say and can do so in a very candid way so I'm really appreciative to Cameron uh, and also to her PR Emily for helping me sort this one out um, more from Cameron in a second um, what do I need to remind you there's a couple of things really I'm about to talk to Tony law in the next few hours Tony is coming round and we are gonna talk we're gonna sort of what I'm planning to do is is kind of uh, wipe the slate clean uh, you'll remember Tony came on this show years ago um, and was in a bit of a state and we're gonna be talking a little bit about that and remember if you're on the Facebook group you can uh, you can join the the Comedian's Comedian Facebook group and ask questions via me, Vetted. You can suggest questions to be asked. That's a a more uh, accurate way of putting it. Um, so uh, I'm going to be putting some of those questions to Tony. And um, I'm so excited. He's just one of my favourite live acts. And he is still, if you're listening to this as it goes out, and then a few days after it goes out, uh, Tony is at the Leicester Square Theatre from the 21st to the 29th of October. So um, do check those out. I'm really looking forward to having him. And yesterday I spoke to Paul Curry. I'm going to be bringing you that one soon. He's very often requested by you via Facebook or on the email. Um, and uh, it, it, Paul is a really fascinating dating uh, one of those kind of anarchic I think I called him a turbo clown whilst talking to him that sounds about right really exciting stuff as well so um, lots more episodes to come let me just briefly say yeah thank you to everyone that signed up for the mailing list in order to get the downloads uh, obviously one of the things you can do is sign up and then immediately uh, sign off you sign out you know and kind of uh, uh, cancel unsubscribe that's the word um, only one person did this so far <laughs> out, of, out of the tens of you that have been uh Uh, grabbing that uh, John Robbins extra material so thank you for that Um, you really, if you stay subscribed you're going to have to put up with up to two or even possibly three emails a year so uh, it's a big commitment on your part Um, I wanted to read you a very nice email that I got from someone called Paco B. Garcia I'm taking that on trust that that's a real name, Paco B. Garcia because that is a name I would have made up uh, (laughs) in order to point out how Spanish I was Um, Paco, thank you for writing um, this is a uh, this is a subject that is this is me talking now. This is a subject that is uh, it's not so much that it's dear to my heart. It's becoming it's something I'm becoming increasingly aware of. Email from Paco. I was listening to one of your recent podcasts and you mentioned that some people had told you that they kind of expected you not to be such a brilliant comedian as you turned out to be. That's a nice way of putting it, Paco. Thank you. I must admit I used to be one of them. Hello, Paco. What's this? If you're wondering why, the main reason is that I'm not British. Maybe I should just say English. I'm not sure. And I completely believed you when I listened to you being self-deprecating. I just... Dot, dot, dot. Believed you. I didn't even watch any clips online, so I had a nice surprise when I saw you live for the first time last year doing a work-in-progress show during the Phoenix Winter Fringe. A really, really nice surprise. I mean, I'm loving Paco's English at this stage. Um, good, good work. You surprised me again at the Edinburgh Fringe when an hour turned out to be even better. Uh, brackets, although I really enjoyed the longer Jack Reacher routine in the work in progress. Now we're starting to get the measure of the man. God love you, Paco. I also enjoyed the longer Jack Reacher routine that didn't make it to the final show. Um, he says, meanwhile, I'd purchased, of course, and listened to Extra Life and listened to Princess Uncle Stew, but nothing could prepare me for this year's compared to what? So, which he presumably uh, uh, saw and e- in Edinburgh. So you're not fooling me anymore. He says you're an amazing comedian and also a fascinating case for the comedy scholar. Now, this is... It's very kind of you, Paco. Um, the thing, the thing I wanted to mention is that I think I've been overdoing the self-deprecation, guys. Like I talk to some of my favourite comics, and I talk to them in a kind of a "Ah, uh, oh, you, you guys are amazing." Uh, do you ever feel like worried and and you know what I mean? You know, the, so the the lines of of inquiry I often take are: I sometimes feel small and pathetic. Do you? And I just worry that over two hundred and something hours of. Uh, of internet broadcasting. Some of you, uh, like Paco, bless you, are just kind of taking it at face value. Let me state for the record, I'm pretty good at comedy. That's the most, that's the most I could do. I'm pretty good at the last minute. I was going to say I'm great at this. Um, I, the, it's, it's too, I'm too English. I'm too self-deprecating. You don't get this with American acts. You don't get this with Canadians. No, no, no. They steam in, full steam ahead. I'm great. Check this out. I've got to try and be a bit more like that. It would be a terrible shame to think that uh, maybe certain opportunities haven't come my way because I've been busy being nice about my own perceived ability. Um, anyway, the point is, in uh, in just a few days, I suppose, two weeks from now, uh, we are going to be releasing the... No, one week from now. Good God. Uh, we're going to be releasing the spring tour dates and guys I recognized last year that the challenge of of marketing my my tour which is compared to what the show I took to Edinburgh something like eight four-star reviews but you know I don't believe in reviews they don't count I'm just saying that some people had opinions that you might agree with more importantly lots of really happy punters and and uh It's not a derogatory term, punter. You know, people. Um, And podcast fans came to see the show, really, really enjoyed it. I hope you will come and see me too when I'm on tour all over Britain. Um, And... uh I just would like you all to... I realised that the challenge last year is in, is in converting you from people who, like Paco, are thinking, well, you know, he's, he's, he's a really good interviewer, self-deprecating guy, probably... What, what did someone say in an email a couple of weeks ago? Oh, it's... You know, I... I what did they They said something like, um, the interviews are so good, I assumed that they were your main thing and comedy was a bit of a sideline. It's bloody not! <laughs> I mean, yes, thank you. I'm glad you listened to the interviews and I enjoy doing them enormously. But look guys, I'm good. Today marks a turning point. No longer am I going to say, yeah, you should come and check me out. I'm quite good. From now on, I'm going to say, you should come and check me out. I'm pretty good. How's that? Is that enough? Is that enough of a change? Um, I hope you'll uh, keep your eyes peeled. Follow at comcompod, and you can go to the website, comedianscomedian.com. Uh, and you can join my own Facebook fan page. This has been the subject of much debate recently in my own head. That's not a debate, is it? Mono That <laughs> That's potentially dangerous. Um, uh, as to whether Facebook fan pages do anything, I've got like 1,900 fans on Facebook, but I post a thing as a little experiment, and literally two people watch it. So you go, "Oh, right, they're actually Facebook are doing so. They're sort of funneling this such that only." A percentage of the actual listed fans ever see it, or it ever—you know—there's that mysterious thing of reach. We can offer you reach of a thousand people two views. So there's—you uh, could join that if you like. Although I'm, I'm sort of—I I might kind of make that defunct. Far more useful to me and to you, I think, is that you join the comedians' comedian Facebook group, which has just cracked four thousand members, which we're very excited about. Um, although I think we went—we went—we went back down to three nine 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 because I had to punt someone for being rude it's a benevolent dictatorship. It's a dictatorship nonetheless. Um, So join that. That's a much more kind of engaged way of doing things. And I'm fairly sure that if I post something there, lots of people get to see it. So all of which is simply to say in a week from now, the 21st of October, I am going to be making known the tour dates. I've yet to build the web page. I would imagine it's going to be tour underscore 2017. Check that. If it isn't there, maybe it's just tour and I'll update that. Yeah, it would make more sense, wouldn't it, if it was comedianscomedian.com forward slash tour and I just took off last year's stuff and put on this year's stuff. Let's call that the plan. So um, go to comedianscomedian.com tour from the 21st of October onwards and you can come and see me live. It's a banging show, man. It's really pretty good. Pretty good, man. So, I'll talk to you more after the episode. So, before we go back uh, into the the rest of this interview with the brilliant Cameron Esposito, thank you to those of you who've donated. Please continue to do so if you're someone that thinks I really must get round to it. Please get round to it. It makes all the difference. I wouldn't have been able to go to the LA Podfest recently and interview Tim Minchin and get that lovely episode out of there if it weren't for your donations. That was entirely listener funded. That whole trip, all my travel, my uh, homestays, my everything. Thank you uh, once again to uh, Anastasia and John for having me over for some part of that trip. Um, But uh, a lot of the rest of it I had to pay top dollar for and uh, that was all listener funded. I can't do it without you um, and I can't spend the time that I spend on the podcast uh, without your help. So if you would like to make a recurring subscription, uh, you can pay one, two, five or ten pounds a month to this podcast. And if you're someone that thinks I must get round to it, please do get round to it. Okay, that'll do for now. Let's get back to Cameron Esposito.
2: Do you love your job? Yeah. I mean, that is a thing to propel you, right? It's... I mean, oh, I'm actually absolutely. lucky. I,
0: I'm out there because I love doing it and I enjoy it and it's fun and I love people and I love performing and I love them laughing and yeah. not doing it because I want revenge for my right. childhood. I'm not doing
2: it because I I'm I, away from it. I someone. get to have both. So Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> your, I mean, I'm sorry. I, I, but I do think so. It's, so there's the physical chemical addiction that you're experiencing, the love that you have for it, but then also literally when we get on stage, our bodies pump drugs that our bodies make i mean we've, we are full of adrenaline in a way that is i think physically addictive and requires like decompressing over hours after shows i mean it's a it's almost an athletic endeavor you know the same as like i think about like swimming where it's like you have to perform from it's not football or whatever or it's not like soccer it's like uh which are the same thing in where you're from uh, we know um, we know the difference between those two um but it's like you're supposed to perform exactly like this for exactly this amount of time, and you have, you're trying to get into that zone. Like The physical sport of it is really fun, I think, and something you can really love, even if you don't have another thing that you need to do. Yes. And luckily, yes. I have another thing that I get to do, which I'm so sorry that you don't.
0: <laughs> well, I, I mean, there's lots of different ways we can pursue this idea. <laughs> yeah. I, one of the things I, I really enjoy about your show is that your shows, your act. Um, is that you are, in a way, and I mentioned Jackie Cation earlier on. Do you know Jackie? Of course, yeah. Okay, so one of the qualities I think Jackie has, and you share it in a very, very different kind of way. Oh, this is
2: great, because Jackie, I love her. She's so i So I'm, any th- comparison, okay. I can't wait.
0: You are the hero of The Underdog. Right, you're heroic, and when you on stage, you there's some lovely lines in you know, I think your second album where you're just like, because I have an amazing voice, <laughs> you know, like, you're like you like you proudly stand there and go, I am fantastic. <laughs> and we know from the text of your show, we know that you know you had to wear an eye patch for was it eight years when you were yes, so yes. you know there's a lot of you know, there's like there's hardship, there's there's not knowing you were gay, taking a long time to become aware of that, not having the right, you know, all of this stuff. I I hope people will seek out your albums and listen to, so we don't need to go into too much of their kind of the plot. Right. But but it makes you the champion of the outsiders.
2: Yeah, I mean, that is exactly what... No, no, I'm smiling so much because that that makes me feel really good. Yes. You know, um, I watched yesterday here. um, Yesterday was the Democratic National Convention. Okay. So Hillary Clinton gave a speech yesterday. Oh, yeah, of course. And became the first female candidate for president in the united states um which was unbelievable to watch her do that job and also hard for her i think because she is like a kind of like a nerd at at the heart and so she's trying to be appealing and charismatic and it's hard for her because i think she probably just wants to like be locked away uh, writing policy if she could have her druthers that would be what she would do um but it was amazing watching her and I mean, there are going to be people that do not like this when I say this on this podcast, but I see myself in her a lot because I see somebody that is representing an entire type of person and how important that is. This whole election has been so moving. It's exactly what you're talking about. It's exactly why I feel like I do this job, because every time I get on stage, I know that I almost do feel like I'm an elected representative. I mean, I've elected myself. That's the arrogance of stand-up <laughs> yep. comedy, yep. is that we elect ourselves. Um But my background is in, I studied theology in college. I thought maybe I would be a priest and I just, I feel like I still do that job. Like I'm a preacher and I just am talking about like pussy instead of something else. But, (laughs) but it's, it still is. Yeah. It's about creating space and making the world a better place, which is so, so up my own ass to say, but it's really something I get to believe about myself, which is a cool thing.
0: How much are the albums that you've released representative of your usual audience? There's a lovely moment in the second album when someone... What's the name of the second album? In between Grab and McGarthy. Oh, and, uh, yeah. Same material. sex symbol. Same sex symbol. So there's a lovely moment where a guy heckles and there's <laughs> this magical thing of like the room just goes off and you go, Oh, he has no idea how many militant <laughs> lesbians are crawling yeah. over for people to get to him. Um, th- there are, there's, there's a lot of, uh, big, big laughs in your albums. There's a lot of cheering and there's a lot of applause. Like we agree with you applause.
2: Isn't that bizarre? That is like what I... That's what I'm saying about the preacher thing, is that that is kind of what's evolved. I think it's almost a new type of comic where... I mean, obviously, I'm trying to make jokes, and I think there there are laughs. But yeah, there, it's like a political speech, almost, where I'm yes. like, and we deserve it! You know, and then people yes. go like, we feel heard! Um, How is that as a comic
0: to deal with? Because presumably what you're going for... Uh, yes specifically you're going for laughs you don't want everyone to agree with you
2: i think that i'm interested to see how that changes for me marriage material which was my last album i recorded two days before getting married it was still a political my 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 comic my comedy has been political because it's had to be you know like i started i got my first job as an improviser um the same week that marriage equality was legalized in the state that i lived in i lived okay. in massachusetts it was the first state in the country to legalize marriage equality i've the entire time i've been doing comedy we've been trying to figure out whether or not gays are okay in this country and so and especially i don't know what it's like in the uk but in the states um every comic has had gay jokes like straight dude comics have gotten up and been like talking about dog marriage. I mean, the stuff that I've had to... Even as allies, they've been framing it the wrong way. It's like people saying, you and me, you the audience and me the comic, we agree gay people should have rights, right? Like, not that they're in the room, not that they're around, but like we agree gay people should have rights. Yes, that's interesting. I want to be like, we're here, you know? Like, And so I have felt this enormous responsibility to speak on my own behalf because if I don't say something as a person who actually would be impacted by this... It is literally an issue of my rights and my safety and like my financial future, because now I have a wife and we get to file our taxes together. And it's bizarre to go on stage as a comic and have to be like, I think I should, here's how I think tax law should be changed. Yes. That is no longer the case. That whole chapter of my life ended, you know, same sex symbol came out as more and more states were legalizing marriage equality. I was like the only comic to be recording an album right before getting married and talking about how this Mm -hmm. is a brand new thing, you know, within the first year of marriage equality in the States. And now it's just different. It just kind of went away. I don't know if that like rights are solved, but I'm very curious if what happens next in my career now that I don't have to yell at people so much. (laughs)
0: Did you find when you were performing to crowds which had a lot of women, a lot of gay women in them, crowds of whom you were a champion, and then you had to bridge into material that wasn't about growing up gay, dealing with it, you know, stuff that, material that was kind of, I don't want to say generic, but not as specifically targeted. Did you feel a difference in the energy in your audiences when they're Practically on their feet going, you fucking tell it. And then you're like going, announce some stuff about (laughs) marshmallows. you know what I mean? I mean, this is
2: all a new thing for me. You know, I I started in mainstream rooms. By that I mean like not gay clubs or not like on a gay circuit. That used to exist in the 80s in the States. There were like, you know, rooms that were just for gay comics. And then by the time I was doing stand-up, that was not a thing. So... The idea that there would be women with side mullets like screaming in the audience is still very bizarre to me because it's not. I have always been a person that was on a lineup, usually like oftentimes the only woman, usually the only gay person. And I'm talking to an audience of mostly dudes because mostly dudes see see stand up. Um, I mean, I used to open for Anthony. I opened for Anthony in like more than 40 cities, Anthony Jeselnik. So it would be his audience, his audience of like dudes with giant muscles and then i yeah. would come out and be like here's what i think here's what i think about my rights you know and that is to me something that actually feels really comfortable is like fighting against the tide so it is odd now to have people show up and be like yeah like it's yeah. almost like too helpful <laughs> well, or I- in canada where where i'm like ah, you know like I, a couple years ago i came and did just for laughs and was like we deserve the right to be married you know like because it wasn't legal yet and people up here were like what I don't, what are you talking about? Cause gay, cause gay people have been able to get married here for so many yeah. years.
0: <laughs> Maybe calm down. Yeah, exactly. They were yeah. like, relax. Yeah. I was, I was talking to Hari Kondabolu on the show who, when he recorded his first album, it was just after a big political event, like yes. just down that street. Yes. And, uh, I know vaguely what it was, but I don't want to... I'm calling it a big political event because I don't want to misquote exactly what it was that happened. But obviously, he's very, very political. And um, we have talked on the show about it's almost a bit difficult when they're so busy agreeing with you.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Oh, and I mean, like, if you're a... I mean, I'm very much fueled by... It's that thing you were talking about earlier... Like I have a real sh- we'll show them attitude, you know. Like that's been my whole life, and I want to like gently show people. I'm not like we'll show them like fuck you. I'm not the I'm not. I don't want to like show up at the high school reunion and like drop carry blood all over the place. I want to like show up at the high school reunion and be like, wasn't I right about it? You yeah, know, and yeah, so right, right. uh, it's yeah. I mean, it's it's definitely hard to have people on your side when you're not used to that yes so opening for anthony did
0: you experience or not necessarily those gigs but working to clubs straight clubs yeah muscle bound guys in them i've I've yet to see anthony live i don't know the audience he attracts but his stuff is quite uh arguably quite brutal i don't know if he He attracts attracts a kind of he attracts
2: people that know that this is a persona and he's yes. oh, he joking okay. around and then he also attracts people that do not know he this is a persona and really think he is serious. He's an absolute psychopath. Yeah, no, yeah. and they're like I agree with these statements and it's Tricky. and it's a it's a mix of those two that's very wild because you're like some of you are so cool and some of you make me feel so unsafe. Yeah. So you what is it like playing those environments? Do
0: you have like a toolkit of comebacks? to aggressive anti-gay Yeah, activists.
2: I mean what really I had to do was like become so big that people didn't want to yell at me. I mean even just like can't like just walk out a certain way. Well, I mean we had to, we had a bunch of different strategies. Literally we had to strategize on it. Um he would introduce me over a god mic. Like he would it would be his voice okay. saying like ladies and gentlemen thanks for coming to see Anthony Justin like here's you know his opener and give some credits because in the States people care about that because it makes them feel like they're seeing somebody that they got a deal on. It's Mm -hmm. like a financially motivated thing where they're like, Oh, this person is famous because they've been on TV. Okay. And so I can't believe I got to see them. Like it makes them feel like, they're seeing an exclusive thing. Um, And then I would come out and I would usually say something about what Anthony and I had done that day. Like, we had Ah, lunch. Ah, that is very clever. Yes, we're friends,
0: right? I'm, the guy you
2: love? Yeah. He thinks I'm great. Yes, because when we first started touring together, people would think that the theater had booked me as a way of getting in between them and Anthony, like yes. I, I really did get like How long did shouted it take you down. To realize that people thought uh, that because that's like a thing couple is weeks. Complete. No one would ever do that in yeah. stand up, but of course, yeah, punters don't know that, right, right, right. Yeah, and also, I mean, I think especially because he wanted somebody to open for him who wouldn't burn any of his material. Like he wanted somebody that was such a counterpoint. Yeah, of course. But it, for an audience to understand that is a little bit above their pay grade as just an audience. <laughs> like you know, they think. That it should be the exact same guy that opens yes. from. Hey, Even, yeah, yeah, right, 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 right. Even though that's actually that's like the worst thing that you could ever do for yourself as a comic is to book somebody that also does one-liners that yeah. are like you know that would be terrible. Um, yeah, so we would do that, and then I would come out and I just like tried to be bulletproof um, and be so big and so confident that nobody would want to take me on.
0: What? what specifically are you talking about besides big, like big performance and confidence when you say bulletproof?
2: Um, I think it there's, I think there's a physicality to it. Like I actually would like, ch- I mean, I'm doing it now. I've been talking about it. I would like change the way that You're I am kind would,
0: of in hero. Yeah, stance. I, yeah, yeah. exactly.
2: I would like change the way that I hold my chest so that my chest was like, you know, more up and like towards the sun or whatever. And, um, be very bombastic with the way that I would throw away, um, I mean, and also, yeah, like loudness. Like, I mean, I would I would, I would yell. I would also pace a lot so that there was like movement going on that could um, make people feel like there was energy on stage. Um, and then also, like, there's a power stance where you like like doing something like putting an arm behind your back while you hold the microphones. It's it's very much like I think chest. I think exposing your chest. It's such a. It's the. It's the most vulnerable. Like if you got a heart shot. I mean, yep. Besides our heads. Yeah. If you got a heart shot, you would die. So I think if you show people that you would, it's like a dog that's exposing its belly because it like trusts you. It's like the opposite of that. It's like yes. I'm exposing my chest because um, I'm not I don't think you can, you gonna sh- yeah, because I don't think shot. you can yeah. hurt me. Okay. Um. Yeah, it's like the opposite of a bulletproof and did vest. You,
0: did you need to do anything to mm-hmm. the material? Did it shape your material working that way? I
2: didn't do, the only thing I would sometimes do was just get Rowdier, like get get stronger. Um, I do think that there's something about a female comic dominating an audience. America such a is still such a misogynistic place, and I think we don't love to hear women be super down on themselves. Like I think we're okay sometimes if women um are soft and and revelatory about their lives somebody like maria Mm -hmm. is that but i think we also love to watch women be powerful because it's antithetical to what we see yes all the time that's the amy schumer model right versus the maria model we we like we love both of those things but amy schumer is you know the face of american comedy right now not even feet like american comedy right now because she's just like go fuck yourself or I will fuck you, you know like <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: so when you 're talking about your um, uh, your childhood yeah. you 've got some brilliant you you 're really um uh able to play the naivety of your childhood self not understanding you were gay, <laughs> but in a in a powerful kind of a way, do you know there's a really interesting yeah. dynamic whereby you're talking about. Um, like the way that you sort of frame everyone, like looking at you going, well, is, is she fat? Like yeah, in the sense uh, yeah. of like they, you know, people are aware there is something different about you. Yes. They can't put their fingers on it. Yes. So where does that fat? let's just talk about that kind of thing. Is that based on in any
2: reality or were you just Oh yeah. That no, I mean everything in my act is 100% from, like I don't pull anything from non-truth. All really lived. I think it's just like, unspooling that over years and years and years because I really did grow up so divorced from understanding what the hell was happening for me. And like, you would think that that's one album's worth of material, but it is not like, it is a bizarre situation to not have any reference point for who you are, but be walking through the world. I mean, I didn't realize I was gay until I was 20. There's 20 years of always being confused about what was going on around me like always being confused about what outfit i should wear always being confused about like what was going on with the boys i was dating like yes. and then those like boys not- became men like so much so many experiences had through false eyes yeah unbelievably bizarre experience you
0: you said i don't i don't remember if it's in your act or if i read it in an interview with you but you talked about not realizing that other girls enjoyed kissing boys?
2: Yes. Well, if you read, and I mean, maybe this is a little bit better now, but at the time, it's like if you read Cosmopolitan magazine or if you read like Vogue or whatever, anything, it's like it's about how women should prepare themselves for men. It's very rarely about like this is what this should feel like. And also political like policy in the States is you know, punishing women for having sexuality. Like, we don't really want... And also, the Catholic Church taught me that you're supposed to, like, you're supposed to save yourself from men who want to have sex with you. As a woman, your job is the saver, and their job is the trying to fuck you. And there's no... There was... I had no understanding that women had, like, a sex drive. Like, that never came up in my life. I didn't have sex ed. I went to schools where we where our sex ed was we watched an abortion that was it Hmm. and so it was like
0: i've heard the bit about that which is the only reason i'm not going
2: fuck what no i know and so like that when that is your exposure to female sexual i didn't understand and i was with dudes that were like i mean it's not like i can't tell which men are physically attractive you know like i was with guys that i thought were attractive and so i would be with them and it I would be like, this seems fun. I can look at you, and I'm—I think this is fun. You know, like I mean, it wasn't like it was terrible. I wasn't in pain. I think sometimes—I think sometimes straight people like can't imagine a same sex experience. Yes, I understand. You know, what like, you mean, and yeah. they're like, it oh must God, have been it'd be so weird. terrible. Yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. I'm like, no, it's not. It's not weird. If if you didn't have society's pressure to not be gay, mm-hmm. you would be fine with it too because bodies are bodies and like it's cool to hang out with someone nobody's like pissed about handholding like this is these are not bad experiences but i didn't know they could be good experiences and um yeah so imagine imagine you're like with dudes i mean i always had boyfriends you're with you're with dudes nothing is fun you don't know that this is not how, but you're they're also your best friends and you like the same movies for different reasons and you're like walking around in clothes that don't make sense to you i mean i wore like i went to i was like a catholic schoolgirl. i wore like knee socks and a short <laughs> plaid skirt it was confusing as fuck so when you're when
0: you're like you've got a huge wealth of experiences there of like it's almost like um the way you describe it there it, you it's 20 years worth of misunderstandings yes it's 20 years worth of being, I don't want to say the victim, but being the person in the comedy sketch who doesn't understand what's going on. Exactly, yeah. So when you are translating that stuff to material for the stage, are you someone who sits and writes, or are you someone who gets up on stage and goes, right,
2: I'm going to tell you about this time I was at summer camp? I only write on stage. Um, I only write on stage, so I'll like work out material on stage again and again and again, basically, until it becomes an hour. And how many I- nights, how many gigs, how many nights of the week are you gigging? So, you know, I, like I said, I used to work this very chicago method which is you go out for three to five shows a night you perform every night of the week then i moved to la and la is not a live performance town so during the day you're supposed to be like shooting tv shows and things like that and then at night you kind of go home so there's not really a live performance focus so what you really have to do is you have to book these tours and what i have done the last couple of years is like i'll book a tour with basically nothing like with no material And so the first couple of shows are a little rough because I'm going out on stage and just being like, is any of this good? And Um, are those,
0: are are you billing those as preview shows or are people paying the same money for those as they were for the show on the tour? I
2: mean, and I'm still like giving it my all, but they just haven't like become solid yet. And for
0: those hours, like, are you, are you writing four words on a bit of paper before you go out? At what
2: point? Maybe 12 words. Yeah, maybe 12 words. Um, or 20, like there'll be. You know, I write like a set list that's like concepts. Sometimes it'll have like a sub concept. Then I go out, I record them, but I never listen to them. <laughs> yeah, I think I've never listened to it one time. Take a drink. Yeah, I've never <laughs> listened one time. Um, but I just like can remember, you know, what went well, and so it and it's about repetition. So, I'll, like, I'll book a big tour, and then sometimes there'll be club dates in there. So that means that you're doing like seven shows as opposed to just mm-hmm. one night in a city. Um, and then by at the end of that tour, it will be ready to be recorded. To That's how I've done the last two albums. Um, okay. And I'm looking forward to doing that again for the next hour.
0: That sounds like my idea of heaven. Because I sit and try and write jokes for several hours a day. Or no, a few hours a day, uh, several days of the week. And more often than not, I'm just banging my head against a blank piece of paper. Do you and- ever
2: come up with anything that you use? Yeah. Do you ever write on stage or is it only yes, pre-written I, stuff?
0: I, I, no, no, I, I do, I do write on stage. Normally what I do is I write enough stuff that I feel like I've got something to say on stage so that I can then forget it. You know, like the best bits of my last couple of shows have all been things that I made up on the way from a crap bit to a crap bit. Yes. And I I mean, listening to myself say that now, it's sort of quite an awful lot of pointless, unnecessary work (laughs) to get there. But equally, I'm not in a position where I can, in terms of stage time, I can't gig three times a night every night of the week. Sure. And that to me sounds really kind of like, even if I did, would I do that? I'm gonna. I'm gonna have to remember that this is. I'm doing my classic thing of going. I want to be more like this person. <laughs> but I certainly. I, I'm really. I tell you where I am in the moment of the year. I take a show to the Edinburgh Festival next week. What I would love here is to have three ten-minute sets a night. Sets a night.
2: And you'll do that how many times? Like twenty-seven times or something like that. How many times? At do Edinburgh, you do? yes, yes. like 26,
0: 27, Yeah.
2: Um, that to me seems like a great place for me. I would love to eventually get there. I think I would like that feeling. If, if you did feeling. that,
0: you would be making the tactical error that most Americans make when they come to town, Which is, thinking, oh, I'm going to work on my show for a oh, month. Oh, no, and no. I would
2: right, come okay. with a finished something that I was going to tape. Sure. Because the other thing is that, you know, so I'll work through a tour and then you just, you can't go back to those markets. And so basically it's like, you have to tape the thing that you make at the end of your tour Mm because there's not like you can't go back to madison wisconsin you can't go back to new york and resell those tickets because you're burning through tickets when you're doing the type of touring that i'm talking about you have to we have to wait like 12 to 18 months between Mm -hmm. markets so you have to save your markets and then you have to go to smaller you have to go like bigger markets smaller markets and basically there's like first tier markets second tier markets and then there's markets that are maybe not um easy to play because you'll because the effort is for very small money just yeah. because of the crowds that you can bring in. So something like that where it was like at the end of a did a tour went to Edinburgh got to do 27 more sets with that show and then tape it like that would be amazing yes. because you're you get yeah. a chance to hang out. That's and not really a thing you can do here. You can't really hang or not here, I'm in Canada, but in the States, there's not many place you can hang out, do an hour twenty-seven times.
0: Yes. And and last year it was absolutely delightful for me to do that because the show was ready. This year I had a baby. The show's <laughs> show not ready. Yeah, you know what I mean? Sure. So I have certainly experienced that that yeah. that aspect of it. Um what was I gonna ask? There's two things. The first thing is where are you getting that terminology from out of interest? First tier markets, second tier markets. Is this something that you talk to other acts about? Or have you got a manager who said, Okay, we're gonna hit the first tier market and the second tier market?
2: Well, yeah, I mean I have booking agents, um, and you know, that's kind of how we talk about it. But it really just it means like per capita. It really means people that are there that can buy tickets. So like a first tier market just and this is not to like talk down to anybody that lives in any smaller markets, but it really is like with, this is at the end of the day, this is a job that you need to make a living doing. And so I love performing in Smaller markets because they don't get as many acts and they're so grateful. Like New York City is a terrible place to perform generally because they're like, uh, yeah, we've seen it. Like, like mm-hmm. they've seen everything versus like Fort Wayne, Indiana teeny town they're like we can't believe you're here yeah, like they're right. so excited to see you so you have to weigh like i'll play these cities and i'll make this much money and then that will make it okay that i played this city and made this much money and at the end of the day i can still like justify to myself how horrible it is to put your body through that much travel <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: because yeah, your body true. is broken
2: yeah i mean you in the uk but it turns out you have a tiny
0: yeah i, mean, I, I consider you know, myself tiny surface area <laughs> i do too much travel oh it's so boring it's so isolating and i and then i kind of think i should check my uk privilege on that yeah. one in terms i of mean it's such a, just a
2: huge fucking country same thing with like you know yeah, aussie comics it's like you're you're just but even there the cities are spread out but there's not like that many markets between the cities this you could you can travel forever you can travel for the rest of your life yeah, in the I remember, U.S.
0: I remember hearing that um, uh, Stephen Wright, when he first did I Have a Pony, he basically then toured colleges for 20 years. Yes. That's like, I mean, I don't know the veracity of that, but that, I, I, that was a big kind of, my mind kind of got a bit peeled back. And I went, oh, God, yeah, because you don't need to go back anywhere. No. So you can just keep going. I love your material on periods
2: oh yes I love it so much (laughs) Uh,
0: yes and it's so good the strawberry the wolverine line it's such good stuff and you are one of a handful of female comics I've seen do material about periods on stage yes and it I feel like it's coming back yes there is a there's a thing you like and, and for me it's like Oh, the, the women doing it at the moment are the women who are going, Hey, what's this bullshit rule that says I'm not allowed to talk about my body? Yeah. And I just wanted to talk to you about that because I think there's something you said on the album. You you said, uh, you know, women are encouraged not to talk about it because it's hack. And I thought, I thought, reading between the lines, I thought, that's interesting, isn't it? I just heard that assumption that it would be hack. That's, that's
2: men body shaming women, isn't it? To say yeah. it's,
0: a, it's not a hack.
2: Well... I, you're right. I mean, I don't actually know that many comics that have this. I don't know where this is from. Like, maybe this is well, from a generation that we were not a part of. Like, maybe that's what it is. Maybe in the 80s, this is something was, that was happening. i have not it. Are there, lots of, seen are there it. lots of recordings? I don't are there, like, remember you know, this. The, the period yeah, takes. No, it, of, like, it, it, it does feel like, and if that's true, like, let's say that that's true when we used to talk about their periods. The number of times That I have seen a dude Mime jerking off
0: Yep Using the microphone Using the microphone
2: And here's the other thing oftentimes I have to follow that dude. So I have to take a thing that used to be his dick and put it near my mouth and try and ask the audience to respect me. Like yep. that is the position that female comics are putting in all the time. And it is, it's funny because, well, it's, it's just the invisibility of, um, of the majority viewpoint. Right. So like straight white male is the majority viewpoint. So that, so it's invisible. Like yeah, it's, because it comic, doesn't comics exist. Comics
0: talk about their
2: dick. Yeah, it's exactly. just, it's
0: the territory. It's the map. Right. Yeah. Yes.
2: And so like yeah, the word dick so like so normalized on stage. Such a part the of The word v- pussy, very abrupt. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So shocking. So shocking. Or even like I mean, I guess like I guess people don't really use the word penis, but like vagina. Like saying that on stage. it's like it's like the audience is like should we actually leave now? Like we don't <laughs> even know. You know, it's so it is we're we are shamed out of this before we ever even get a chance to talk about it. And this is happening in a moment where, like, in the States this last year, more laws have been passed banning and restricting women's health care. Like, when you can get the pill, whether a Planned Parenthood, which is our healthcare centers, are open, whether you can have an abortion. Like, th- there's this huge war on women going on. That's actually the term for it that people use, war on women. And in that same moment, female comics are supposed to just, like, talk about dicks. Like, as our bodies are put in danger, it's still like we're supposed to just talk about blowjobs.
0: And do you think that um, the—I don't know, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I I, I feel like this is my pet theory on it, just having heard that bit on your album. Was it male comedians or male promoters or even female promoters who, you know, people with power, gatekeepers of some sort, who were saying— Taking comics to one side and saying you can't talk about, <laughs> you know, and and if it if it was that, is that because of a sort of a, a an innate sexism of the industry that no one was having those conversations with men?
2: Yeah, I mean, of course. Well, I think the thing is, is for some reason we say about for male comics we say. Nothing. No subject should be off the table. Like that is that that has again been one of the wars of the last couple of years. Is like no censorship. Like I want to talk about rape, so I'm going to talk about rape, even though I have a I don't have a good joke about it. Mm. Even though I'm just saying the word rape for no reason. Like it's ridiculous that you won't let me do this. Female bloggers, like these dudes that are so so that have lived such a perfect life that the idea that somebody would send them like one tweet being like I'm not sure that that joke was something you needed to say, and they're just like. Like, oh, I will rail against you and your, you know, like, it's ridiculous. Um, is it censorship? Absolutely. Like, I just mean, like, is it women being told, why are men unrestricted in their content? Why don't we fight for women to be unrestricted? Just recently on Twitter, Twitter blocked, like, men's rights ag- activists who were targeting Leslie Jones because she was in a movie called Ghostbusters and people... um are furious for this for this guy for this poor sad guy that was sending her like cum covered gorillas because she's a black person. Jesus and Christ. And that, that I know is the details like details of it. Okay. Oh yeah. Horrible. Like literally like pictures of pieces of shit, like shit in a toilet covered in blood sent to Leslie Jones alongside the N word. And we're like why don't these men why aren't these men protected? Meanwhile, like women are just like you could just please not talk about your period that would be so great because it's just like very offensive to us. Yeah. So is there is there
0: when you're performing that stuff on stage it feels, it sounds on the album like there's real glee
2: Yeah. You know what I've been doing that joke here in Canada and people hate it <laughs> <laughs> okay. I don't know what it is, people are super polite but it's, I've done it at every show like just because I don't because I'm like okay great you hate this uh enjoy um (laughs) but yeah i think that it is that thing of people feeling like they want a champion right now especially when i think we're like moving into this zone where the next decade for women is going to be really awesome we're going to have have a female president we're right on the precipice it's not just it's in entertainment and music it's like i went to a beyonce concert this year that was as moving a like social moment as i've ever seen you know and so i think like When we had Obama as a president, we're living out the fact that racism really like came to a head. Like that's there's this Black Lives Matter movement. People are marching in the streets like that is a response to giving power to black people. And um, I think we're going to find ourselves in a position not totally similar, but I think women are going to have a voice like people are watching female shows. These are the shows that are getting awards we're in like a real moment. Um, and I hope that we, and it's crazy also to think about being like, women are in a real moment. We're 51% of the population. Yeah. Like, we're not a minority group. We should have more than a moment. It's like <laughs> hilarious. Like, I love it. Oh, yeah.
0: Okay. Last question because yes, I, I know you got to go. Um, everything's kicking off for you at the minute. You've got married. You've got a TV show being launched. You're doing great kind of uh, career wise. You know, all this stuff's happening. Are you happy?
2: Oh, no. Yeah, no, not at all. I mean, I'm so unsatisfied. That's the... Have you ever met a satisfied comic?
0: Only one or two, and they weren't that funny. <laughs>
2: yeah, I think the whole point of doing this job is, like, you have to be focused on the next show, and that carries over into your life. You know, making your marriage better, or making a better TV show, or making a bigger TV show, or getting more money for gigs, or whatever it is. Like, we are next show people, and... And that, I think, never goes away. That's why Joan Revers was working on her deathbed. Like, these, we are, this is the type of people we are. We'll never be happy. And there's kind of some glee in that.
0: (laughs) So that was Cameron. Thank you so much to Cameron Esposito for coming on the show. That was a real pleasure to talk to her. Um, do check out her work. Check out Ria Butcher as well, who I saw two years ago in L.A. She's fantastic. Her and Cameron are now married. So check out her stuff. It's uh, You can get it online and uh, you can buy it or you can listen to it on Spotify, things like that. So uh, thank you to those guys. Thank you to Emily for helping me set that... Uh, interview up. Thank you very much to Emily Crosby and all of my other logging legends. Thank you to to everyone that helps log the show. And thank you to Daryl Smith, who I keep forgetting to mention. He's my new editor, and Daryl is working very hard behind the scenes to make this all sound crisp. Crisp. That's one of those words that goes from crisp. From the front of your mouth to the back? From the back of your mouth to the front. Crisp. Yes. And the opposite is plank, which goes from the front of your mouth to the back. Okay, I've really got to get stuck into doing some actual work now. Um, Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, You can sign up for a recurring subscription at comedianscomedian.com forward slash donate or chuck me a one-off payment. You know, a pound a show. Why not? Why not something massive like that? Show 200 is looming around the corner. And uh, so you want want to get in before you've got to feel bad for not sending me £200. I don't think anyone is in that position. But um, thank you very much for your donations. You remember what happened uh, uh, maybe six episodes ago or so was someone donated me 100 quid, and I said so, and then the next week someone donated me £101 so I thought, I'm on one here, so I repeated it and since then very few last donations have come in. So I think I think a lot of you have gone, oh, we're all giving him 100 quid. You are by no means all giving me 100 quid. But if you're enjoying the show and you'd like to contribute to it. contribute to it please do so in a cash form and if you cannot or will not um or choose not to i mean that's sort of a similar option isn't it um, but if you uh, don't fancy uh, supporting the show financially then please just tell a friend take their device out of their hand find their podcast app Find the show, subscribe to it on their behalf, and then tell them that you've done that. There's no point doing that unless you're going to point it out. Um, So that's all for now. Paul Curry is in the can. Tony Law is coming around very soon uh, for Tony Law Returns. And we still have Joe DeRosa, Carmen Lynch, Chris Gethard, and I suspect even more besides swimming around my hard drive. Uh, ready? Oh God, Mark Mark Ford as well. It's brilliant. Um, so plenty of stuff. Barry Crimmins. Oh my God, did Barry Crimmins last week? It was absolutely brilliant. Loads of episodes still to come. And uh, thank you for all of your suggestions. That concludes the podcast. <laughs> Leaving me now with just a bit of. I've got to. I've got to talk to you. What will I talk to you about? I mean, normally there's something. There's a, like a burning issue. I don't have a burning issue at the moment. Unless it's this, the burning issue is I've, I'm pretty happy. Pretty happy, guys. And I'm trying to make it a routine. I'm trying to make it a regular, I'm trying to make it a habit to be happy. You know, you can just get in the habit of saying, oh, you know... Oh, I'm not so bad. You know, you know that thing. You're, you're someone. Someone says, someone says, uh, "Oh, how you doing?" And you go, "Yeah, yeah, not, not so bad." Or worse, your instinct is to go, "Yeah." My instinct, I mean, is to go, "Oh, knackered, oh, oh life's so tough." Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it, it's nuts because I am so much happier now than I've ever been. In no small part, thanks to the arrival of the Bootros, who now, nearly nine months in, is just filling my heart up with joy. It's so, and it's lovely to share that with you after a rocky couple of months at the beginning. It wasn't rock, I don't mean it was rocky, but you know, I've talked before in the podcast about how abrupt the change in your life is when you have a baby. And particularly for me, someone who's sort of desperately, desperately wanted a kid to kind of have the sharp end, the reality of going life is very different now. And in those first few months when, you know, you can't communicate, you, you don't get anything from your baby. How needy am I that I would need something from my baby? But I'm pleased to say that is all over. And although the challenges continue to be rich and invigorating, he is just made of joy. He's just... he. I honestly could not articulate what it feels like to see him look at some fairy lights and burst out laughing. It just makes me want to... I don't know. Makes me want to what? I mean, eat him, certainly. I've tried to avoid doing that. Um, it kind of makes me want to never leave the house again. It kind of makes me want to never work again. Like, Maybe if I pulled off one sweet heist and got enough money to live off for the rest of my life that I could just hang out with him. I say the rest of my life, hang out with him until he's about nine and he decides I'm not cool anymore. (laughs) Doesn't want to hang out with me. Nine, is that optimistic even? But um, what what an astonishing life thing to, uh, as I said, my articulation fails me, I'm so happy. And the point is, the point is, This is, not. I'm not just going to bang on about how happy I am. The point is, I'm trying to make it a habit because I'm out of the habit of, also, is that annoying if you say to someone, how are you? And they go, I'm so great. <laughs> That's probably quite annoying as well. Um, but I'm happy. And I want to say to people, when people say, how are you? I need to get into the habit of saying, I'm really great. Thanks. Yeah. How are you? That's the answer. That's all you want is, oh, I'm great. How are you? Um, because any other answer basically says, oh, not so bad. Oh, I'm going to ask, th- I'm going to answer the question as if you've actually asked it. And of course, 99% of the time, people haven't actually asked it. They're just making small talk. But I think, excuse me, yawning here. Um, I think that you have to develop a habit, don't you? Because Let's face it, saying, yeah, not so bad, that's a habit, isn't it? That's a habit born of, you know, wanting to uh, compete with other people as to how much sympathy you deserve. We all do that. Oh, I'm. T- oh, you're tired. I'm really tired. You know, and, and that's something you probably get into at school. All of our habits are kind of forged in this, this kind of ugly crucible of, uh, of not maybe school itself isn't an ugly crucible, but certainly... Certainly the way we treat ourselves can be sometimes. Um, so if we accept that it's all just habitual, then wouldn't it be good to create a new habit, a new habit, rather than just... like Because one of the things I could do is just kind of ca- carry on. You can just carry on, can't you? Just carry on on the basis that life is getting better and better because my boy's fantastic and uh, I'm very happy and the, the podcast fulfills me. Your emails make me feel very happy. You know, I, I the, the sense of you know, people coming up to me at gigs and shoving a crumpled fiver in my hand and saying, I started stand-up because of you. You know, obviously, all of these things are lovely and they nourish me and make me feel very, very happy. I get I'm so lucky I get to do loads of great things. But I've done that thing where I've I've explained I've over explained one subject, which means I've lost the thread of what I was talking about. Um, So it's it's a habit. You've got to get into the, the habit of being happy and you think you could just carry on. And because everything will basically be fine, you know, like obviously not everything will be fine. Fuck me. Trump, Brexit. There's so many not fine things in the world. But I'm very lucky I'm in a position where things are more together in my life than I have ever had them together. And part of me thinks, yeah, great. OK, think plain sailing from now on. But really, to make the most out of it, shouldn't I try to incorporate happiness into my life, rather than just wait for it to generally, you know what I mean? Like the, the, what I'm talking about is the angle of the incline, <laughs> you know, the angle of the incline from here to things just generally keep getting better because I'm, I've solved, I've resolved a lot of my, my issues. Some of them, not all of them are still dithered for an hour and a half before doing this. I'm still put it off for three days when I could have done it three days ago, but a lot of them. So the, the upward angle, are we more sensible to gently toodle along this upward incline, thinking, yeah, I've put things in place that are making me pretty happy now. I'll just, I'll just plainly sail up this 5% incline. Or should we go, no, do you know what? I think everything's great now. I think there's nothing to worry about anymore. Let's come up with some changing, some change in my habits of thinking that means I immediately go from a 5% incline to a 50% incline, and then I'm as happy as I possibly could be, and I stay there. Well, that would be nice, wouldn't it? I mean, this is even by my standards. Sorry, this is a ramble. Ah, but I want to change the habit. I want to get out of bed and go another day. Brilliant. I used to write a sign on a bit of paper above my bed S-s-s- when I was at college. I think it was It must be 19 or 20 and I had a sign, and I, I stuck it, I wrote a sign, I stuck it to the to the, to the top of the, the room in my student accommodation, to the to the, the top, you know, the, so it's the first thing, the ceiling is the word I'm grasping for, you open your eyes and you see the sign, and it, I can't even remember what it said, which is pathetic, given I looked at it every morning for a year, but it probably said something like, remember to be happy, or everything's going to be alright, I mean, yeah, maybe that was an overshare, I don't know if I plan to tell that to anyone ever. But um, something like that, I think that was an early attempt to go, come on, snap out of it. Come on. If if you're used to, if the habit is currently that I wake up going, oh, God, what's the world? Oh, I haven't come online yet. It's sort of problematic when that happens at seven in the morning because the boy's up and it's my turn to do the morning. Um, You know, I, I, w- I want to be more on it immediately. I'd like to go from, I'd like to come online, as it were. I'd like to go, bing, yep, happy yeah well there we go (laughs) sometimes you get interesting stuff and other times you get this one um but that's all for now i'll leave it there i've got uh, i've got stuff to do and some of that stuff is going to be answering the question how are you with i'm great how are you